And so let's read the word together. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned amongst themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. So he said to them, How is it you do not understand? Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of, of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so... Leaven is uh, more commonly known as yeast, and as we're aware that it's responsible for uh, the fermentation process of a lump of dough, which causes it to rise into a loaf of bread. And these yeast cells thrive on the, the sugars and uh, carbon dioxide released into the bread, which makes it rise. And we see in the Old Testament that leaven was forbidden to be used for seven days at the time of Passover so that they might be reminded that the Lord brought them out of Egypt and a way for you to remember is you can think of it like leave in had to leave in haste um, and during the Passover the Jews were commanded to put every particle of leaven from out of their house and the use of leaven was forbidden in all offerings made to Yahweh by fire and the reason for it being forbidden is uh, sought on the grounds of uh, that fermentation implies a process of corruption and any offering that was a type of Christ's sacrifice didn't have any leaven in it and Christ is known as our unleavened bread which I'll talk about at the end so that's just a little overview of leaven from the Old Testament but the Old Testament doesn't have any uses of leaven in a metaphorical application but it is in the New Testament has a few references as being used as a metaphor. So as we just read in the scriptures today, let's look at what Jesus meant when he said to the Pharisees and Herod were filled with leaven. So the leaven that Jesus is speaking about is the leaven of false doctrine. And we see in Matthew 16 verses 12 that the disciples finally understood that uh, Jesus meant the leaven was regarding their doctrine and their false teaching. 
In Mark 7, 7, it says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so Jesus makes it clear to us, uh, to his disciples in the last chapter, that what makes this leaven appropriate to fit the Pharisees is their teaching commandments of men, not of God. So they added to the Old Testament, added to God's book of the law. And the Sadducees, as we see in Matthew's account, they never believed in a bodily uh, resurrection. And 1 Corinthians 15 really tells us that for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. And so today that means for us that we need to be observant on these exact two things. Who is adding to the word of God in our context today? And Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, came to my mind when I was studying this was added an entirely separate book 1,700 years later down the timeline of when we had our first gospel manuscripts of Mark roughly 30 AD who had an angel visitation and Paul says if, a if anyone gives you a gospel even an angel from heaven that, that gives you a contrary gospel to me they're accursed and if you were to ask them which book they would have preeminence over, they would choose the Book of Mormon rather than the, the canon of the Bible. And that's one example of today's leaven of false doctrine. So the framework for detecting uh, false doctrine in our lives is does it violate the scriptures? Uh, does it add something new that's not there? Or does it take away from that too? And many today are filled with the, the leaven of the Sadducees, claiming that Christ never rose from the dead. And when that guy, uh, when you were witnessing, he said, Christ never existed. So if he never existed, therefore he never died. So this leaven of the Sadducees still is rife today. And there's a Gnostic second century heresy called um, Docetism. And it was promoted by the non-canonical book, The Gospel of Peter. And it's quite... Um, ironic how <laughs> docetism sounds very similar to deceitful and it taught that Jesus only appeared to have a body and was not truly incarnate and they viewed matter as inherently evil and therefore rejected the idea that God could actually appear in a bodily form and that logically led them to the conclusion that um, Christ didn't suffer on the cross and therefore didn't rise from the dead and Muslims today um, adopt a partial deceitist uh, view in that they say that Jesus was never crucified on the cross. It was almost like a grand illusion that happened. And we, we see in the footnote on the Surah um, Al-Nisa 157, Allah was made the main culprit who betrayed Jesus, so that would be Judas Iscariot. He made him to look exactly like Jesus. Then he was crucified in Jesus' place. Jesus was raised safe and sound to the heavens when this happened. It's like, wow, that's today's um, version of the Sadducees, the leaving of the Sadducees. So a false doctrine will always refute the uh, bodily death and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And leaving was considered a Jewish metaphor and an expression for evil that um, spreads through the life of the people and corrupts it. And this appropriately fits Jesus' statement to them because 
False doctrine is sour to our mouth and is bitter. It promises to be sweet, but its bitterness leaves you with a continual thirst. False doctrine swells up and rises like an inflamed boil that came upon the Egyptians in the plague. False doctrine spreads to the undiscerning like leprosy, and as they reach out and touch it in the spirit and receive its teaching, it corrupts their lump and it begins to ferment. And Galatians 5.9 says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so the whole lump in that example was the people of the day that were exposed to that teaching. And just as the community of the Pharisees taught the people that it was right to add God's commandments on top of what God said to do. So today's churches need to be cautious about that little leaven that enters into the church. Just that little bit of leaven. And their words are like yeast that comes forth from their mouth and enters the ears and begins to ferment. So we have the leaven of legalism, Galatians 5.9. Galatian converts believed circumcision was needed after belief in Jesus to acquire salvation, Acts 15.5. So the leaven of legalism would try and tell uh, you to add to the blood of Jesus that it's not enough, you've just got to do a little bit more. You have to just work a little bit more. It adds to the finished work of the cross. And the Lord told Paul, and would probably um, utter to us today, as he said in the um, word here, how is it you do not understand? He told the disciples, how is it you do not understand? And I believe God would say today, how is it that some people today do not understand that you're saved by grace through faith, and it's not by your works? But more contextually to Mark's gospel with Jesus' reference to Herod, something similar arises. Herod, Herod's followers were Sadducees, which also confirms what Matthew said to us. The preceding verses we see the Pharisees, as Bucky mentioned, that they would have witnessed these feeding miracles that Jesus summarised here. Herod wanted to see signs as well, Luke 28. 23 verse 8. Yet they still challenged Jesus with a demand. Matthew Henry was a 17th and early 18th century minister of the gospel in Chester, England, and died in 1714. He said something brilliant about this part of the verse, and I quote, Take heed of this leaven, says Christ to his disciples. Be convinced of the miracles that you have seen, and do not cover after more. Now that's not a doctrinal statement, as we said, because Jesus says that it was the false te- the leaving was the false teaching of the Pharisees. But it's an interesting outlook on that verse and how he saw it. Could it be that Christ was warning his disciples of the leaving of unbelief? That we ought not to seek after more signs to validate who Christ is in our lives? Are we not operating in that scripture that says we live by faith? and not by sight. When we have our doubt days or our seasons of, of doubt, we seek a, after a sign to get fired back up from God. Or do we trust that he's very much there regardless of the circumstances? And I want to encourage us, that if we've had a genuine born again realization and an experience that may have accompanied that, we should be in a position to be totally joyful 
content, steadfast and immovable if God was to never do anything in our lives again. Of course we yearn and desire him to come close to us and partner with him and see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, but we must be aware of this principle. And I just made a quote that says, signs don't authenticate our faith, it's our faith that authenticates our belief. So we see as well, moving on now, the leaven of sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2 and 6. There's an incredible similarity uh, to the meaning of the word puffed up in Greek and the similarities with leaven. The Corinthians were boasting about their sexual immorality. And puffed up means to inflate, to blow up, and cause to swell up. And pridefulness is also a sin. Proverbs 21.4, a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. So Paul reuses the same selection of words here when he wrote about the legalism in the letter to Galatians. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He repeats the same sentence here in a different letter. I want us as a church to be on continual guard against the leaven of sin that may enter into our lives. I've seen in my uh, short three, six years as a Christian, not very long, but I've seen people drift away from the faith and having uh, disinterest in that. The fire has turned to embers and that leaven of sin has started to ferment in their life. And I've made a quote that says, the longer that you leave regular repentance when committing sins, the easier it is for that leaving to disperse into your lump and the more difficult it is for you to get back on track. So I want us to look at verses 17 to 18, uh, which is the disciples' misperception. And as Bucky referenced brilliantly last time, about how the disciples had an inability to understand after watching two miraculous feedings. Many times in our faith, we may miss the point as well, or flow between seasons of doubt and faith. But Christ always, always, always rebuked doubt, which I think is something for us to consider. With love, of course. But Matthew's account says, O ye of little faith. And just like the disciples, we're susceptible to doubts as well. But I've made a quote that says, Jesus today would still want us to, uh, to remind us of our little faith and discipline us equally in this area in the same manner that he did with his disciples. And we must embrace it. We have to uh, be open and embrace um, the rebukes of the Lord and the correction of God. So verses 19, do you not remember? Do you not remember the time I came to you? And as the psalmist said, that you pulled me out of the miry clay pit. Do you not remember when I answered your prayers? Do you not remember when I comforted you in the pain and gave you peace in the storm? Remembrance on who God is, is to be our primary thought and foundation on which we get our complete assurance of his reality. 
We are not to be dependent on extra involvement of God. We must embrace who he is. And as Revelation 4 says, God was, God is, and God is to come. And we need to really remember that truth. So Jesus now heals the uh, blind man. So this is the only miracle that Jesus performs that's done in like two stages. And this does not in any way diminish the power of Christ, but reveals something interesting to us in relation to the disciples' misperception. In every other area of ministry of Jesus, he shows complete authoritative and instant healings. So why the two stages of the laying on of hands? So when Jesus lays his hands on him the first time, he begins to see dimly that people look like trees. The text never says that he was born blind unlike the John 9 miracle. So he must have some recollection of trees. And this shows that he had a, a gradual healing after the first laying on of hands. But who else is currently undergoing their gradual recovery from blindness? The disciples. Verse 18, having eyes, do you see not? How is it you do not understand? So then Jesus lays his hand on him again and sees, and then he sees every man clearly and is restored. So who else in the passage later has clear um, clarity on who Jesus is? The next segment later, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ and says, thou art the Christ. Could it be? I'm not saying it is. Only God knows that Mark is almost recording a parable that the that's relating to the disciples' gradual healing of their perception on who Christ is. And I love verse 25. It says that Jesus made him look up. So Jesus would have gently lifted up you know, his forehead, touched his forehead, lifted him up gently. And we need Jesus to lift up our heads as well. To focus us, to realign us to what is above, which is the source of the fact that we are saved to begin with. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And Jesus would always want us to have regular, consistent clarity on who he is. Jesus wants us to see. He wants to see him more, with more clarity, more depth in our lives. And just a few more points to finish. Jesus, then, is our unleavened bread, and I love this. So if you look at Leviticus chapter 23... Uh, these feasts all have prophetic um, significance on the messiahship and kingship of Jesus. And one of them is Christ, our unleavened bread. 1 Corinthians 5, 7-8 Purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with the old leaven neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So in the same context, as I mentioned earlier about Paul categorising leaven as sin, he finishes off this sentence with an amazing reference to Christ being associated with the feast of unleavened bread. 
Why? Christ was sinless. He had no corruption in him. He had no pride. And he had, and he taught sound doctrine. 1 Peter 2, uh, 22. He who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. No corruption. Hebrews 7, 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens. That's why our Lord is um, our unleavened bread. So if you'd just like to stand with me just to finish, I'm just going to just pray. Um, so I want to invite you today and uh, for you just to reflect on, on what I've shared here and that if there's any leaving in your life that you know, may need purging, if anything is coming and contaminated and is slowly fermenting through your life, Let's ask the Lord just now. Holy Spirit, we pray that you come and just uh, bring things to our um, thoughts, God, that you'd want to purge. Are we adding to the cross in some way? Are we adding to the cross? Are we under any false teaching, maybe? Are we in habitual sin or unrepented sin? And that leaving is coming in and corrupting our lump. Are we prideful in any areas of our life? So God, I just ask in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Yahweh, we just pray. Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you would just minister amongst us, God. And I just thank you that in Christ, we are unleavened. We, in our spirit man, have no corruption, have no sin. All because you, Jesus, you were unleavened. And you lived the perfect life that we could not live. So we thank you. And we ask that you just um, work amongst us right now, we pray. And as Paul said, help us to purge with the power of your spirit. Help us to purge out, therefore, the, any leaving in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.